0: beloved congregation of our lord and savior jesus christ no matter how talented or well-trained we are in the work we have been assigned no matter how desirous we are to complete a task we need energy and we need a strength in order to also do that don't we And such is the experience of the body of man in this fallen world. We can't go on day after day without sitting down at the table for a nourishing meal, nor a rest at night. The Lord in his wisdom has ordained that we have seasons of refreshment. This is true, however, not just of the body, but also of the soul, isn't it? of the Christian who has to do the holy tasks that the Lord has set before him or her. They must also receive strength in order to do this work. It is not our work, and therefore it is not our strength upon which we rely. It is indeed the strength of God for the work of God. We see something of this in Daniel chapter 10. In Daniel chapter 10, we read of Daniel in a very weakened state for a number of reasons, which we do well to examine and contemplate. Because through that, we see how God strengthened him to do his work. In verse 2, we read that Daniel was mourning in the days of this great vision. Scripture does not specifically tell us what it was, but drawing from other chapters, particularly from chapter 9, we can see that it was likely due to his contemplation of sin, of sin in the body of God's people, or as we would say, sin in the church. Daniel lamented, the state of the church in his age, and confessed, openly confessed the sins of God's people and that of himself, their failure to uphold the law and their absolute necessity or the necessity of God's grace. You know, often we are very worldly in our thinking because we would believe if we were to think of the future or even if we were experiencing some kind of, of difficulty now, the, the worst thing that can come to us is illness, sickness, one that would lay us up in our beds or require us to go to the hospital or even that one that might bring us to the brink of death itself. But as we come to the scriptures, we see that the true saint of God sees that sin, lack of devotion, lack of love to God in his life, in the life of his family, and in the life of the broader church is one of the greatest tragedies in this life. And sets us to mourning and weakness instead of exalting our power or the working of God amongst us. We lament the state of the church as Daniel did. We also see in other places that Daniel lamented the condition of God's people in the world. We recall after all children that Daniel was one of the captives and that Daniel was in Babylon. He wasn't in Jerusalem. God's people belonged in that city and not in the one he was in here now. And so Daniel feels also, undoubtedly, the oppression of God's people in an uncomfortable place. A place where we read in the Psalms, God's people wept as they thought about that temple that had been raised to the ground. And of those times in the past where God's people had cried out to him. And where they had joined together in those joyful and glad days of celebration. Oh, how Daniel was mourning in in all of these things. And so, how does he respond? Well, notice in verse 3 that part of his mourning was deprivation, he was fasting. So, there was an emotional weakness tied to the state of God's people and his own state, but also a physical weakness. And those two together uh, put God's people in a prime position to be attacked by the enemy and make us easy prey. And that's, of course, instructed because God himself commands us to fast at times and to mourn for the sins of God's people and the world. Why would God have us be weak? Why would he want us to not feel strength? Well, the answer to that comes in the very fact that Daniel's vision is connected to his own prayers. Because we know, boys and girls, that when we are called to fast, we are called during that time to pray. Verse 12 This is what the heavenly visitor or messenger says. Thy words were heard, and I am come for thy words. Daniel is emptying himself of all reliance and help that could come from his own flesh, or perhaps those around him as well. And in that weakness, instead of being visited by the devil or by temptation, heaven responded and said, I will give you strength. was not due to the merit of his prayer, because there is no merit in prayer, but the God of mercy sent the messenger. God, the God of mercy, responded. And so when we look at the extraordinary case of Daniel and the vision that he had, even as others around him were not privy or knowledgeable of that, We can yet see there's something of of Daniel's life and testimony that is so true for us as well. And Jesus, our Lord, teaches us we are to do the same. We are to ask. And we are to seek. And we are to knock. And God, His God, our Heavenly Father, has promised to give so that we can find. And a door will be opened. To us, And so in seasons and times of weakness, prevailing sin in our life, we ought to examine our prayer life. Are we merely crying out to God in complaint without also asking God to assist? If strength is wanting in our sanctification, If we are not living as we want to live in holiness, it is likely due to a lack of prayer and fervent prayer at that. We don't necessarily mean that the words are so eloquent and so impressive to others. Uh, Recently, we've been going through uh, Romans in Our church in Smith's Falls and we find ourselves in Romans 8 and I trust we were all impressed and certainly I was impressed by how Paul put such weight upon groaning, groaning within ourselves in our prayers. God, help us. We are weak. We need you every hour but we certainly need you today. So it was an emotional and physical weakness that was upon Daniel, and Daniel cried out to his God. But then there was an additional weakness, and this, there's a kind of an irony to it, because even though God answers his prayer, in a sense, that answer brought about more weakness, didn't it? And the vision itself, as, as Daniel confesses, Or speaks of in verse 16, he says, By the vision my sorrows are turned upon me, and I have retained no strength. In verse 8, he puts it this way, Therefore I was left alone, and saw this great vision, and there remained no strength in me. For my comeliness was turned in me into corruption, and I retained no strength. We could say that the blood drained from his face. He was in great fear. may remind us of the priest in the opening of Luke's gospel. So Garias is praying in uh, the temple. Somehow the last thing he expected was an angel from heaven, and when he saw the angel, he was greatly afraid. And Daniel, also a godly man, was frightened, and so... We would or should not be surprised also if we also are frightened by the visions that we read of in the Word of God. We come to the Scriptures for strength, don't we? We come to, to mine from them the deep treasures of the wisdom and knowledge of God and to have that joy within us again, lifted up by the gospel of grace. But there are times and there are places in the Bible that cause us great fear and concern. Those like the book of Daniel that relate to us in terrifying visions of the power, not merely of the kingdoms of men, but of Satan who works to to crush the saints in his mouth with his great lion's or dragon's teeth. We are familiar with the the book of Revelation, but perhaps not as familiar with some portions as we should be because we turn away from these. And like the Apostle John, they cause us great fear. Or even in more simpler passages of Scripture, we read about uh, our Lord Jesus Christ informing us, even in a sense promising us that we will be persecuted if we strive to live godly. And of passages of scripture where are where described the great suffering of the saints. Such as we find towards the end of Hebrews chapter 11. Sawn in two. Rendered asunder. Slain between the altar of the Lord. Their blood flowed upon the earth. All the way back hearkening to Abel himself depending perhaps somewhat on our emotional state or personality. We may find these things too melancholy, too serious, and we rush to find the, those passages of Scripture that are more familiar to us or more happy in our thinking. But there is a time for everything in Scripture, and all of God's truth is necessary. And so was this vision for Daniel. Daniel needed to have this heavenly Messenger, come with these words, as troubling as they were. And notice that Daniel was alone. Daniel was alone. Those around him did not see the vision. He alone had these words spoken to him. We also are called to be alone with God. To put away the distraction, even of our our children, our wives, our husbands, from time to time. We enter into the closet. God calls us to be alone with him. And that can be a frightening thing also. Because we don't always know what to say. Even when we are joyful, even when we are happy. And then we stop for a moment and think, who is this God with whom I have to do It's like an an awkward pause in worship. And we all look around. What's going to happen next? Or something interrupts our, our consciousness, what we are familiar with. We enter into God's presence and we have to stop. All of daily activity, all of life stops. The earth itself, as it were, stops for a moment. And we come into God's presence. What shall we say? But the Christian needs to, you see, at times, to be emptied of all self, all all helps and crutches, to truly sense their complete helplessness, without which we may not often contemplate. God appeared to, to Elijah, not just on Carmel, but on Mount Sinai, in the still, small voice. Jesus, our Lord himself, went out often to pray, sometimes with a few of his disciples, but even by himself. No one there but you, as it were, in that moment, you and your heavenly Father. And then God will speak to us through our prayers, and he will speak to us also through his words. Poor Daniel said that twice he was without strength, we might say that God was telling him that's exactly where I want you and need you to be. When we really contemplate who our God is, when we really and truly fear him, when we are in awe of his majesty, as Calvin notes, only then can we see that it is God who will comfort us. It was the angel who came in God's name who reaches out to him. It was the heavenly messenger, that ministering spirit of God, whom God sent forth to those who inherit salvation. It is God's word for God's people today that speaks to us, and it is the voice of Christ in particular upon which we will in that moment not take for granted as we have at other times. Some commentators believe that The heavenly messenger was Christ himself, and there are parallels in verse 5 and 6 of our chapter to revelation to the great picture or vision of the Lord Jesus there. And of course, indeed, we must understand this to be, because without Christ, God can only cause us to fear. We read with much instruction and encouragement the life of Martin Luther, Who wanted to know his God. But in many ways, Martin Luther, though himself a a priest or a monk, was was not so well instructed and tried to approach God without the mediator, or did not understand how much he needed that mediator, and, and tried to approach God through himself or through the works of the saints. And through his labors and through his efforts, his own righteousness, God only appeared that much more distant and unfamiliar to him. And it was in the gospel, it was in the voice of Christ, it was in that great message and encouragement of the righteousness that comes by faith, that he himself was now free to proclaim that Luther could come closer to God, or better, we should say, God in his condescension, came closer to Luther. Oh, it is when men fear God that they run from God, and when they have no hope, they cannot face life, and so they abandon him for other pursuits. But the believer sees or hears in the gospel the strong hand of the shepherd and the kind voice, the kind voice of their Savior, inviting them again to partake of him. And notice that he speaks, it is mere words after all. Verse 19, when he had spoken unto me, I was strengthened. How can the Bible, which is a book that we read as any other book, help us when we are in these times of weakness? It is because and only because it is God's ordained mean to speak to us, and yes, from heaven itself. What does God say, however, to his servant? What are the words of encouragement? O man greatly beloved. Do you see? To be loved of God, to know that one is loved of God, that is strength. Love in Scripture is not a fleeting experience. Although at times we may feel it departs from us. But to to have this sense and understanding of the deep love of God, fully instructed by the, the rich doctrine of the Holy Scripture, particularly as we are known or we know ourselves to be loved by Christ, oh, that is strength. It is not God's love in abstract after all. It is God's love within us, poured out within us by the Holy Spirit. And it is God's love that is abiding with us as we walk about this world, as we have faced the attack of the devil, as we, we, we wrestle with the, the weakness of our own flesh and the infirmities of the body. So God's love carries us along as if and indeed we can do all things in Christ who strengthens us. And we see that in the Bible that everything God does for his children is in love. Even when he robs us of that strength, he's doing so, so that he can more deeply, uh, as it were, cast us within the deep well of his love, so that we may partake of it more richly than we have before. Wilhelm Sbrocco speaks of this. He says, The soul, irradiated by the love of God and ignited with reciprocal love, loses itself in this love and is silent in response to it. He stands in amazement of this love and finds so much in it that all creature love loses its appeal. He no longer perceives any desirability in the creature, except where he perceives something of God in it. Therefore, he no longer covets the love of others and is readily weaned from all that appears to be desirable upon earth. Often we are disappointed in our loved ones, their lack of devotion or care for us. We can always cast ourselves upon the one who gives perfect love. For see, even there, as John tells us, perfect love casteth out fear. So the servant of God, Daniel, is instructed in our text to fear not. Do not be afraid. Don't be afraid what the world can do to you. Do not be afraid... Do not be afraid of what is to come. Do not be afraid of what is behind or what must you do in the present. Do not fear. For God loves you, dear child of God. And so you may have peace, and so the heavenly messenger speaks peace unto him. In the peace of God, we also have strength. We remember after all that the battle is one. We have victory through faith. Christ has crushed the head of the serpent. Death is vanquished. We only await the day of resurrection. God has won the battle in his dear son, Jesus Christ. God is the victor. Christ is the King and Lord to whom we come. Matthew Henry reminds us of what often happens to those who come before the powerful in this world. They come as those who are enslaved by them. They come as those who are their subjects, perhaps threatened by their power, their ability to to send them off to prison or even to death itself. They may be condescended to, but they also may be ignored by great kings and powers of the earth. Well, how much greater is our king, our God, whose power is infinite, whose strength is not under anyone's sway or influence, and yet how he speaks so softly and tenderly to his servant. Peace be unto thee. Quit all the striving and the turmoil within you, Daniel. Within you, O child of God, and be at peace. You are mine. You are not my enemy. In Christ, by faith, you are my friend. And so he concludes with these words. After all of these things, be strong. Yea, be strong. Now it's time to do the work of the Lord. When we are emptied of ourselves, when God has given us his strength, not our strength, Now it is time to be strong. Yea, be strong. Be strong and of a good courage, God said to Joshua. And so in that, Joshua was strong. Paul says to the Corinthians, Watch ye stand fast in the faith, quit you like men, be strong. But earlier he said, God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. When the weak people go in, out into the world to serve the, the Lord, we pray that they would amaze the world by the strength of the Lord that is within them. God delights to use such for his purposes. And so by faith, we may take these words up in our lips as Daniel did. He shows us the way. When he had spoken unto me, I was strengthened and said, Let me, Lord, speak, for thou hast strengthened. Or let my Lord speak, rather, for thou hast strengthened me. Daniel had a particular task to do. What was his task? As a prophet and as a leader of the church, he had to speak to God's people. This was not just personal. This was for the benefit of all. We may remember our minister then. In our prayers. We must remember our ministers in prayers. We must pray for them often. Because they labor in the word. And in prayer themselves. And they strive to have mastery over themselves. And strive to be scholars and students of the Bible. And they, as Augustine said of himself, labored and studied and took all of, of his acumen, all of his, his ability, his intellectualism, and poured it into the life of the sheep. We must pray for our pastors. And ask that Lord, the Lord would help them so that when they go to this spot here on Sunday, they're not preaching themselves. And they're not just preaching what you want to hear or what the world would tell them to say. They come with a heavenly vision and they can say, let me speak, Lord. Release my servant, loose my tongue. Let me speak the words of God and nothing else so that these people may be strengthened. But then also, beloved, you have work to do as well, don't you? And I could speak here for a time of your earthly calling. And that would be appropriate. But we do better to think of our heavenly calling. Of the calling of the Lord Jesus who said to take up our cross and follow him. In 1 Thessalonians 1, 3, Paul says of that congregation, remembering without ceasing your work of faith and labor of love, and patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ in the sight of God and our Father. Here, the Lord calls you today to go forth from this place to labor in His world as godly men and women, and yes, even children, to serve the Lord. The Lord does not call you to be idle. True, especially on the Lord's day, there is more passivity. There's more receptiveness. You sit and you receive the word of God, the labor of love of your minister from the word of God. But even in that, you are to think, Lord, what do you call me to do? What are you calling me to do? Lord, how can I serve you? Even if we do not know at that moment, we are asking the Lord humbly to guide us. How can I respond to this scripture? How can I respond to this vision, this truth, even as Daniel was so willing to do? What would you have me to do? There, as I read it to you, is a simple summary. The work of faith, the labor of love, the patience of hope, and all of this in Jesus Christ, in the sight of God and our Father. Beloved, to do the work of the Lord, you do not need more wealth. To do the work of the Lord, you do not need a nicer home. You do not need a spouse. You do not need a comfortable retirement. And God's providence is assigned Perhaps those things to some of you. But the truth of the matter is because he is sovereign. And because for our Christian walk, we are responsible to our Heavenly Father. All you need is him. If you cannot do the work, if you feel that you are not doing the work of the Lord, put aside all of those things in your mind and heart. And ask him to visit you. Ask him to help you. And he has promised in his word that he will. Go forth in the strength of the Lord. And be Christians. Holy people. Obeying the commandments of God. Serving by faith. In this vineyard. And in your neighborhoods. And in your families. Doing the work that the Lord has set before you. And he has promised to bless it.